help me out. There is this incredibly uh, stupid statement that we've been kind of saying for years and years. If you know it, I want you to kind of finish it with me. Uh, it goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but how many of you believe that's stupid and untrue? Come on. Yeah, because here's the reality. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but they'll be broken for maybe a couple of weeks or so. But words, right? Words can fracture. Words can, can break you for years, maybe even decades. Here's the reality of it. Our words are extremely powerful. They, are, they have the power of life and death. That's what the, the Proverbs tells us, that our words can either build or our words can, can tear down. Our words can inspire, you know, transformation, could ignite, you know, you to, to reach your full potential, or they can tear you down. They can crush your spirit. Words are powerful. Tell your neighbor right now, words are powerful. Go ahead, look them in the eye. And I'll prove it to you. Turn to your neighbor again and tell them, you look amazing today. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. Words are powerful. Now turn to your second choice neighbor, because everybody has one, and tell them you look more amazing-er today. You look more amazing-er. We made up a new word. Play along out there in overflow. You look amazing today. And if that went really well, we could have started a love connection just now with someone. I don't know. So you might want to turn back to them and say, what's your digits? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's a time and place for everything. Um, words. We are finishing up this series on Proverbs called Foolproof. And I, in fact, gave you the option. What do we want to kind of wrap up this thing on? And, and by far, people said our, our language, the words that we speak. And we've been in this study that's kind of part of the, the wisdom teaching of, of God's word. It was written by King Solomon. But this is what he says about our, our words in Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 21. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death. In fact, would you say that out loud with me really short? One, two, three. The tongue has the power of life. It's powerful. I want you to wrap your mind around the, the significance of that little verse. That with this little tongue, this, this thing that we have in our mouth, it has the power to give life or the power to take life. It has the power to, to build up, right? Or the power to break down. It has the power to, to tear apart or the power to, to transform. It has the power to, to incite blame or it has the power to inspire you to reach your full potential. There are, there's power in the words that we say. In fact, it's so powerful when Jesus created the world, he created the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He realized there's power in our words, power to give life or take life. In the tongue is the power of life and death. I'm calling this message, if you like to take notes and jot down a title, words to live by. Your words to live, to give life by, or an alternate title could be word up. You can just write that in there, all right? That was my, my second choice, word, word up. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that uh, the average person has 60,000 thoughts run through their mind a day. And we, we learned in Proverbs that as a man thinks in his heart, therefore he is 60,000 thoughts and 48,000 of those thoughts are negative. They are self-destructive and unfortunately, the majority of them don't stay in your brain. 
A lot of those negative thoughts come out of your, your mouth as, as hurtful words, as, as these poisonous kind of darts that we speak into other people's lives. In fact, I brought this along because my oldest son, Wade, he made this. This is a, a homemade um, blow gun. Now, it, it doesn't work, so don't be scared up here on the front row. Uh, I don't know what they do with this. I've never seen him do anything with this, all right, except beat up his brothers with it. That's all I've seen. They use it as a, as a bow staff and kind of swing it around. Uh, it's also really good for poking holes in drop ceiling tiles in a basement. I know that from experience, if you look at my basement. But the reality is our words are like darts. They're like poisonous darts that we shoot out, and they stick into other people, and it kind of seeps this poison into their soul. And they start to kind of be poisoned by the words that other people say. And the result of that is is that oftentimes you're not reaching or living up to your full potential in Christ because you've bought into what the other people say about you. You've, you've kind of allowed these poisonous words, right, to, to pierce into your soul. Let me give you a couple of Proverbs real quick that will contrast the difference between life-giving and life-taking words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless are like those darts, the words of the reckless will pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In this one verse, we see how you, words can be used to hurt, to pierce, to, to take life, or to, to heal, to give life. And the difference being is that it's the tongue of the, the wise. That's why we've been studying this. This is wisdom for us. The tongue of the wise can bring healing. Proverbs 15.4 says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Many of you have been crushed by, by words that have been, been said to you or spoken over you. In fact, um, they could be innocent, right? Maybe they, they hurt you unintentionally, like when your husband looked at you and said, are you really gonna wear your hair like that? It was unintentional, right? Or when someone asked you, when's the baby due? And there is no baby due, that's a bad one. But unintentionally, maybe you could have been hurt by the words that someone spoke to you, or, or me, like my son Parker, all right? He will, he will come up to me, push on my stomach, and say, that's really squishy, Dad. And so unintentionally, his words can be hurtful. Maybe it was intentional when someone told you, hey, you're never gonna be a great husband or father. Or someone told you, hey, I never loved you anyway. I, I don't even wanna be in this marriage. I don't wanna be a part of this. Words can, can hurt. Words can, can crush. And some of you can look back over a season of your life and remember a time when someone spoke some hateful words to you. Someone that was supposed to, to love you. Someone who was supposed to, to care about you. And they said some very mean things. Hey, you know, you're, you're never gonna be, you know, the person I thought you were gonna be. Or you're never gonna measure up. And you can look over that time in your life and, and realize that that's when maybe you started to feel that way about yourself. Or on the other end of that, you can look over a time where someone spoke life-giving words into you. And they said something, and immediately when they said it, it was like this wave of encouragement just kind of washed over your soul. They looked at you and said, hey, man, I see something great inside of you. I, I, I think God, God made you with some incredible gifts that you're gonna do great things. Or you looked at your wife and you said, I would marry you all over again. Like you're, you're wonderful. You, I prayed to God for someone like you or someone told you you're the best of the best. You're, you're incredible. You can all think back over, over times in your life where a word of, of life, right, kind of, kind of filled you, kind of lifted you, helped to, to propel you. 
into your potential. My parents did that for me. Some of you are parents and you speak life over your little ones. My parents told me all the time growing up, Colby, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Now that's not true because I wanted to be 6'6 and play basketball, all right? Just throwing that out there. I'm neither of those things. I'm terrible at basketball um, and I'm only about 6'4". <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but what they were doing was rooting in me the idea that I was created to do great things, the idea that a great God created me to do great things. In fact, a lot of what I'm doing today, I believe, is a direct result of the words they spoke over my life, the life-giving words that they said to me growing up. Words are powerful. They have the ability to, to give life or the ability to, to take life, the ability to hurt or the ability to heal as we looked in the Proverbs. What I wanna do today is give you three things. This is gonna be simple, short, it's gonna be sweet, but three things about the power of our words, about how words impact us and about how our words impact others. And here's the first thing I want you to write down. When it comes to the words that people say, you have to guard your heart. You gotta guard your heart. Solomon, in imparting wisdom, to his son, this is what he says in Proverbs 4:20. He says, "My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words." Right? Solomon understood that there were power in his words. Check it out. Listen to these words that I say. Guard your heart, like guard it above all else. Guard your heart, for it is it determines the course of your life. Or the NIV says, "It is the, a wellspring of your life." So guard your heart. We need to learn to guard our heart when it comes to the words that others say about us, and here's why. I can't control what comes out of your mouth, but I can control what I allow in my heart. Write that down. In other words, you can't control what someone else says about you, but you get to control what you believe. You get to control what you allow into your heart. You get to choose how you respond to those negative words that are spoken over your life, and we have to guard our heart. Guard your heart against those life-sucking, life-draining, poisonous darts that someone sh would shoot your way that would keep you from reaching your full potential in Jesus. I learned this all too well back in 2005. 2004 and 2005, I felt called into full-time ministry. It was one of those things where my wife and I, we had just been praying, God, God, what do you want us to do with our lives? You know, I was in a good job. My wife's a CPA. She had a, a great job. And it's kind of like, what do you want us to do? We'll do anything. We just felt God pulling us into to more. And at that season, I was invited to be a full-time worship pastor and youth pastor at a great church. And so I dove in and I just, I laid it out all on the line, gave up a great job and just went headfirst in. This is what you're calling me to do. I'm going to do it. And so we, we dove in. I started going to seminary full-time. And throughout that process, I learned I had the gifts of, of apostleship and leadership. And at the time, I'm like, what is apostleship? I don't even know. But come to find out, it's about planting churches, right? It's the, it's the apostles. You have gifts to, to plant churches, to start, start ministries. And so I'm like, man, I'm, I'm all in. And eventually, through that, we moved out here to help plant a church with a friend of mine. And it was with a well-known denomination. And we come out here, and again, laying it out all on the line. I had two babies at the time, my wife and two of our little ones. And so we came out here, let's, let's go. And in order to do that, I had to meet with the LOCC, 
which is the licensing and ordination consecration committee of this well-known denomination down in Pittsburgh. And so we drove down to Pittsburgh and here I am fired up and we're gonna change the world, you know, for Jesus. And, you know, I feel called to do this. And I sat in a room with about five, five to seven guys that didn't know me from a rock, right? They had met me for like 15, 20 minutes and they had determined in our conversation that I was not called, that I did not have the gifts that would make someone a, a good pastor. These guys that didn't even know me, right? Like they never, like didn't know me from, you know, you. And so in that moment, I was crushed. Like I had panic in my heart. I'm like, what am I gonna do? I moved my family out here. We're living in someone's house while we try to sell our house and, and I have two babies and it's kind of a, a different environment. I mean, I still get emotional thinking about it today because I'm like, what are we gonna do? I felt so strongly that God had called us out here and here are these guys telling me I'm not called and what they did was they put me on probation. It's kind of like giving me a, uh, it's, it's basically saying, let's see how long this clown really lasts in ministry is what it was. You're on probation, all right? And so I left there, I got my friend's car. He had one of those toaster cars, you know, like a little Scion box thing at the time. Some of you have that, that's all right, I'm not judging. But we were driving from Pittsburgh back home and I'm like kind of sweating. I'm like, what am I gonna do? And in that moment, God spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but he spoke to my heart and he said, you are not who others say you are. You are who I say you are and I say you're called. You are called, you are chosen. I came to tell somebody today, you are not who other people say you are. You are who God says you are. And God says that you need to guard your heart against those evil words. You're not who a, a group of, of, of men or errant kind of people tell you who you are. You are who God says you are and created you to be. And some of you have had some hard experiences You've had a group of people, you've had someone in your past tell you that you were this or tell you that you weren't that, that you're not good enough. And I need you to know you are not the sum total of what others say about you. You are the sum total of who God says you are. And you are chosen, you are called, you are anointed. God says you are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on, somebody, right? Like that's who you are. Never forget it, God has a plan and purpose for your life that you are blessed coming in, you are blessed going out, that you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. I mean, I feel like preaching. Anybody feel like that today? You are not who other people say you are. And some of you have been hurt by words and it's kind of set your life in this trajectory that was never the intention by God because you've, you've, you've succumbed to the labels of what other people have said about you. And Solomon says, hey, when it comes to these words that are spoken over your life, when it comes to the language that people use, the tongue has a power to give life. It has a power to, to give death. And so you need to guard your heart. Can I just encourage you, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't buy into what other people say. You know, you, you can't control what comes out of their mouth, but you can control what you allow in your heart. All right, here's the second thing. Drop this down. Speak life to others. It's real easy to get fired up about the hateful words that people speak to us. But what about the words you speak to others? Now here's what I don't want you to do at this point in the message. Nudge your husband, nudge your wife, and say I hope my wife is taking some really good notes about the words that she speaks to me. Because a lot of times what we do is we are tempted to 
hold on to the helpful words and we let the hurtful words just fly. And so this is not for one person or the other. This is for all of us in this room. We can all do better at speaking life to others. Like every single one of us, can I encourage you? Every time, every opportunity, every chance that you get, speak life. Like speak words that that give life, that encourage other people. And this right here, I promise you, will change your marriage. And here's the thing about, about speaking life to others. It's not gonna change your marriage a year down the road. It's not gonna change your marriage a month down the road. It will change your marriage today. It will change your family today. It will change your, your, your work relationships today if you would learn to just speak life and to give life and to give encouragement to other people. In fact, this is how Ephesians 4, 29 puts it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Nothing that, that's not helpful, but only, right, that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not according to your agenda, not according to your motivation for what you speak, but only helpful words that will build others up. If we did this, like if we really did this, if you really took this to heart and you committed, hey, when I leave church today, I'm just doing this, I promise you it will change your life. Because we're tempted, aren't we, to speak hurtful words and hold on to what's helpful many times. Like, I, you're like me, I get angry. I say things I shouldn't say. I, you know, I can, get, I can get hangry. When I get hangry, come on. It's when I'm tempted to really speak some stuff. You know, our mama was right. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't be a jerk face. That's what my mama said. Don't be a jerk face. But I promise you, if we did this, this would change you today. You committed just to speak what's, what's helpful and build each other up. So here's the application that you can make right now. Anytime you think something good, say it. Anytime, every time, like you, you think it, say it. If it's good, if it's encouraging, if it's helpful, you say it. Give life to it. Don't ever deny somebody an opportunity to speak a blessing, to speak an encouragement into their life. When you think it and you don't say it, you're robbing them of that, that blessing that that encouragement could bring and helping them reach their potential. So you say it. My wife is really good at this. You know, at least once a week or so, she'll text me something encouraging. She'll, she'll say, hey, you're gonna kill it today. Preach the house down. You know, or she'll say, you know, you, you're, you're the man. And she'll give me one of those little kissy face emoji things. I don't know what you call it. But she'll, you know, do that. Like she says it. You know, I like to say that my wife and I, we have great text we do? Really great text. And then I'll, I'll, if I th think something, I'll say it to her. Like if, if I think, man, you're just beautiful. I love your hair. I love your eyes. My wife has, has the most beautiful eyes. Don't look at her eyes. I'm telling the guys right now. Don't do it. But she does. And I'll say, you're, you're beautiful. Your, your eyes are, look beautiful today. And by the way, just a side note, if she responds with, you know, if I say like, dang, girl, and she says, dang, boy, I know it's on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that night is going to be... I got a feeling that tonight's gonna, come on, right? But if you think it, say it. Why deny somebody that, that blessing that that word of encouragement can bring? I do this with my boys, with, with Parker. Like, he'll tell you, like, at least once a month when I put him to bed, I'm like, Parker, you're, you're amazing. 
Did I ever tell you how, how you were created? And he'd say, he'd say, no, Daddy, even though I have told him. I said, well, God got all the angels together in a room, and he had a meeting, and he said, watch what I'm about to do. I'm about to create somebody that's amazing, somebody that's going to do great things for God. And in that meeting, he decided he's going to create you. And Parker gets all, all excited, and I say, I'm so proud of you. Like, give life to it. Here's, here's what I know. If you have a marriage that's struggling, you have a marriage that's on the rocks, you have a marriage that's bad, there are more poisonous darts being spoken than life-giving words being spoken in that relationship. Like, I promise you, you have a, a relationship that's bad with a child or a mother or a father, there is more uh, life-taking words being spoken in that relationship than life giving words. I, I promise you this will change your relationships. Uh, I say that because I've sat down with, with um, couples from time to time. I, I would do some kind of, just kind of marriage counseling, uh, which is a really bad idea because I'm terrible at it, by the way. All right, just saying, throwing that out there. Because I would sit down with them and I'd be like, you're being selfish, you're, you're being stupid, just stop it, you know, get out of here. And so it's a bad idea if I ever, if you ever need counseling, I'll, I'll point you to somebody who's really good at it. But I would sit down with couples and I would hear them just take shots. Just fire these darts back and forth. Well, well you're this and, and you're that. And they'll use absolutes like, like you never do this or you always do that, which is bad, by the way, when it comes to your language. Never use those, those absolutes, always and never. But they'll sit there and say, I've heard a wife say, you're, you're never gonna be the spiritual leader that you should be. You're never gonna amount to that. You're never going to, to rise to being the spiritual leader that God wants you to be. And can I, I sat there and told her, that's not gonna help him. Like that will never make him better. You belittling him never makes them better. I promise you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. Men, men want to win, right? And so if, if we can't win, we take our ball and go home. We get out of there. That's the way we're wired. And women are always like, well, that's stupid and immature. I know, I'm not saying we're not, but that's how we're wired. And I promise you, you will never nag him to be the spiritual leader you want him to be. That's never worked. In fact, here's what you do. Here's a little free marriage counseling advice by the guy who shouldn't do marriage counseling, all right? Let me just throw this out there. Anytime he does something remotely spiritual, like you encourage it. Like, even if it's on accident, if you're driving up Peach Street and he's changing the radio station and he stops on WCTL for like five seconds, you, you go, oh, honey, you're a great leader and spiritual leader. And you pull the car over right now, you sexy beast, and lay a big you know, like kiss on him, do something, right? Like, you encourage him. Maybe you want him to pray with you, and he prayed one time last year, and it was at Thanksgiving, and it was terrible. It was like, oh, Lord of hosts. He prayed the King James prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Thankest thou for this mealist, you know, kind of thing. And it was awkward and bad, but you praise him. You say, you did amazing. Even if he pushes back, no, 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 that was, that was awkward and terrible. No, honey, that, that Lord of hosts part, it spoke to me. It gave me goosebumps. That was, that was awesome. You encourage him. And what you're doing, listen up, what you're doing is instead of crushing him, you are cultivating the potential that's inside of him. And you are raising the bar. You, you are speaking life. You are encouraging him to become the person that God created him to be. And this goes both ways, all right? Not just for the guys. Guys, you, you speak life into your, into your wife. You, you bless her. You say, you are amazing. I would marry you all over again. You are, you are beautiful. It's words that, that help to, to build. Guard your heart. 
Make sure every opportunity you get, you can speak life into to others. And then here's, here's the last thing I want you to, to write down. And that is to speak life into yourself. Speak life-giving words over yourself, over your, your circumstances. Because here's what I know. Man, we've become really good at self-destruction. We become really good at telling ourselves what we can't do, what we will never do, what we will never amount to. Some of you, you know this all too well. You'll say, I'm never gonna be able to change. You've spoken into your life, I'll never be able to get past this, this addiction. My marriage is always gonna be bad. My, my work is always gonna be bad. I'm never going to, to amount to, to anything. We've become really good at speaking these self-destructive words over our lives and uh, over and over again. We do that. It's not guarding your heart, by the way. And it's certainly not honoring the God who created you and formed you and who made you and knit you together. Watch how Jesus illustrates the power of, of faith in our words in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He says, if anyone says, there it is. If anyone says, if anyone speaks it, if anyone gives life to his words, says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believe. So you say it and you believe it. What they say, it will happen. It will be done for them in Jesus' name. You say it, you, you, you believe it. It kind of reminds me of David in the Old Testament, right? As he goes out to face Goliath, the, the Israelites, the army was like, no, 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 no. You can't fight this guy. He's too big. He's a giant. We'll get destroyed. David steps out onto the field and says, yeah, he is too big. He's too big to miss. And when I size him up with how big my God is, like he's not that big. And so he speaks these words of, of life over his circumstance. He goes out onto the field and says, who do you think you are, big fella, to come at us, to stand in the face of the, the, the armies of of the Lord, you ain't got nothing. And so he steps up, takes a rock, you know the story, and takes him out. And he speaks life. He, he lines up his words with God's truth. And that's the key. Now, here's what this is not, all right? This is not a, uh, a lot of people would call a word faith kind of theology. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, what's called a name it and claim it or blab it and grab it kind of theology. In my, my opinion, people can take that to an extreme that it was never meant to be taken to. You know, for, for example, if you don't have a car, I don't have a car, you know, Jesus' name, give me a Porsche 911. It doesn't work that way. I've tried. It doesn't work. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't tried that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about a Stuart Smalley theology. Oh, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm talking about when you align your words with God's truth. Watch how God shows up. When you align your words, when people say you are not good enough, you say I am good enough. That God is for me. He's not against me. When people say you're never going to amount to anything, you say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on. Right? You line up your words with God's truth, and God will show up in your life. I promise you. I promise you. But you make sure it lines up with what God's word says. And Solomon would implore us, hey, guard your heart every chance you get. I'm telling somebody in this room, stop. Like, stop buying into what other people say about you. Guard your heart. 
Some of you, I'm telling you, stop being angry. Seriously, stop being bitter. Stop speaking words that are, are hateful and hurtful, but speak life every chance that you, you get. If we would just do that, I promise you, you leave this room and you do that, your life changes. And then speak life over your circumstance. What are you going through right now that you haven't had faith for? That you've been believing God to show up, but you haven't spoken to it. Somebody said, a, a, a pastor once said, don't, don't um, speak about your mountain or don't talk about your mountain, talk to your mountain. And some of you need to speak life to that circumstance that you're facing right now. In fact, let's do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What are you facing right now? Is it sickness? Is it addiction? Is it, is it an area of your life you just feel like you can never overcome? You feel like you're stuck? You feel like you're spinning your wheels? You're just stranded? It's the sin that, that you can't get out of? Maybe it's a health concern? What do you need to speak life over? Say that God didn't create me to, to live in bondage. That God wanted me to be free from this addiction. God didn't create me to, to stay stuck in this, this sin, but in Christ, I'm a, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What, what words do you need to speak that are the, will line up with the, the words that God has spoken, the truth of God? Maybe you're in this room and you've allowed the, the poisonous darts to seep into your soul. That someone said something about you a long, long time ago and you haven't been able to get past your past. You haven't been able to, to move forward because you, you've just said, well, that's who I am. It's not who you are. That you are chosen, that you are called, that God sets you apart. You need to be reminded that he knit you together, that he, he placed you on this earth at this point in time because he knew you'd have the greatest impact possible. That God has a plan for you, plan not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future that whatever you're going through, God will work that out for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Speak God's truth over your situation. Speak God's truth over, over your life and watch how it changes your life. Maybe it's the words you say. Can we repent? from our bitterness? Can we repent from our anger? Can we repent from the hurtful words in this moment? Ask God to forgive us and commit to, to only speak life. Jesus, I pray right now for the people in this room, God, that would understand that our value doesn't come from words that have been spoken about us or to us, even from people that supposedly loved us, but are spoken our value comes from the words you've spoken to us. And I pray that you would give us strength to guard our heart from the enemy. I pray that you would give us the Holy Spirit power that would enable us every chance we get to speak life. And I pray, God, that we would, uh, with full confidence, speak over our situations, line up our words with your truth. And as we're still praying this morning, there are some of you in this room, maybe you don't feel valued, you don't feel loved, in fact, you've just allowed the labels of the past or the labels of the world to define who you are. I need to tell you that's not who you are. And that God's brought you to this point again for him to tell you how much he loves you, that your value is not found in that. Your value is found in how much someone is willing to pay for you and God paid it all for you. 
by sending his son Jesus to die for your sins. And some of you, maybe you've never crossed that line. Maybe you've never received that free gift that was offered to you the moment Jesus died on the cross, was buried and came back to life so that you would not have to, to experience death forever. You would not have to taste the, the, the death that your sin brings. But maybe you're here again to have another opportunity, another chance to receive Jesus and what he's done for you. If that's you today, I wanna lead you in a prayer. It's the way we communicate with God. There's nothing magical about it. The most important part, the Bible says, is if you believe it in your heart. As you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will understand your value in Christ. If you'd say, Colby, I'm gonna pray that prayer with you today, and I wanna acknowledge that before God, would you right now shoot your hand up and just hold it high? I just wanna pray with you. Awesome. Praise God for you. God bless you. Awesome, awesome, amazing, amazing. Put your hands down. Just say something like this. Jesus, today, I surrender. I give up. I'm tired of, of trying to find my worth in, in things of this world. I'm tired of feeling broken and helpless. When you died on the cross for my sins, and so I'm just gonna receive that today. Jesus, I trust you as Lord and Savior. Go ahead and whisper that to him again. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior of my life. And from this point on, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for dying for my sin. I repent and I turn towards you. I believe God raised you from the dead, and right now, I'm being raised to new life. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Everything someone else has said about me, all my past is gone. I am brand new in you, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.